hard to keep serious with this. <laughs> Why keep it serious? Uh, we're we're just having there's fun. There's no serious. It's it's, yeah. it's just that time again, you know. Malcolm and Chuck did a project, so now we got to do a podcast on it. I'm just slowly creeping my way into infiltrating your podcast so that I'm st- I stop becoming a guest at some point and just become a co-host is my plan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. Welcome back once again to the Anna Creates podcast, which may be rebranded at some point to the Anna Creates featuring Malcolm Cottle at least once a month because we did a new project podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to have you here. And good to be back. Good to be back. Thanks for having me, Chuck. You know, once again, we've, I mean, we've been busy working on a lot of stuff and it's finally actually slowly coming out, which is awesome. You know what? Frankly, I'm just going to put it out here that if you don't know who Malcolm is, go listen to one of the other podcasts that we've done. He's on a number of them already. I think this is your third or fourth time here. Mm -hmm. So this week we just put out, well, he just put out a uh, new record, a new EP, the new Sons of Horus EP. Are you excited that that finally came out? Because this has been kind of waiting for a little while. We've (laughs) been sitting on it for a little bit eh yeah i mean like anything you know you um all the energies and the the recording and the uh you know the production side and then it kind of gets all done and you send it off to mix and it's a lot of sitting around and waiting and then you and then you hear it and then you have all your notes and then it's, it's just inevitable that like by the time it's actually done you're still like a month or two away from actually getting it completed because i um i wanted to take a bit of a different approach with this one and release a little bit of it before i release the full thing with my canopic ip ep i kind of just released the whole thing in one go uh, and then started releasing videos and this time I kind of wanted to do the opposite which was release a couple videos then the EP and then uh, one or two more videos after that so it took a a little bit of extra time to kind of get all that sorted especially with uh, guest artists being uh, over in Canada while I'm in the States and getting the filming all sorted with like the lockdowns and everything like that so yeah like anything it takes a little bit more time than you ever expect but it's uh, it's out now and I'm just super excited to have it out yeah man I I approached you right after the second video came out and I'm like, Hey man, like now is, now's the time we got to do another podcast. It's coming out. It's, we got to do this. <laughs> like, it, it was funny too. Cause it was like shortly after you released the podcast with Emmett, where you talked a little bit about it at the end of that podcast too. And I just like finished listening to that. And then I get that text and I'm like, Oh, okay, here we yep. go. Like we're, we're doing yep. the official, uh, you know, the branding circuit, the, the publicity circuit. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is I actually, when I did the podcast with Emmett, I did a little bit before it came out which if you haven't heard it go it's last week's episode and i knew that because we could talk about the sons of horror stuff at the beginning of the podcast before we started recording with him i was like by the way when this comes out the sons of horror thing will be about to be released so we can talk about it (laughs) uh and you can kind of hype it up a little bit because it'll be coming out the week after that so that'll be perfect and he was like oh okay great (laughs) so (laughs) we could touch on it and start hinting at it a little bit um and then now you know, it's back to Malcolm on the podcast talking about it. That's awesome. <laughs> it's going to be, it's great. One thing that I wanted to kind of uh, start with is this EP, which has five songs on it. Your last one had five songs on it as well, right? Yeah. The last one has five full songs. This one has an intro track that's kind of just an instrumental like mood setter and then four like full length tracks. So before we get into the actual recording, I wanted to ask you about the whole the whole Sons of Horus thing, and you're very you're you're unique in the fact that each EP so far now it's a trend um, has a certain theme to it, and mm-hmm. each song has a, a component of that theme, and I think that's really interesting. I've I've always liked records like that, mm-hmm. but I I'm interested to hear a little bit about what those themes the theme is, and your kind of why you decided to do this theme and and the previous theme and like how how that came about because they're very non-typical themes in (laughs) in many senses yeah fair enough it kind of came from just kind of a a need to sort of pair my different interests together i would say um i've always had a a keen interest in history uh from a kid Mm. and that's what i ended up studying in college was i went to 
uh, school to get a BA in history. Um, and I just love studying history. And it just seemed like if I'm going to make my own music, a subject matter that I'm really familiar with and have a passion for is history. So why not pair like the themes of history with music? And it just kind of seemed natural. So that's, and again, too, like I never had plans to do more than the first EP, to be completely honest. Like I came up with the name Sons of Horus for a band, and I just thought that would be cool. And from that, I came up with the Canopic EP, which was four songs all named after the different Canopic jars that um, when someone was mummified, they'd have their vital organs removed and placed in these four jars. And each jar was represented by a different god. And those four gods collectively were known as the Sons of Horus. So like the whole first Canopic Mm. EP was sort of the whole idea in one. (laughs) Like it was this, you know, know, ancient Egyptian themed speed, um, you know, metal progressive metal album and I and the whole point Mm. of it was just I just wanted to show off these really cool drum parts that I had been writing for years and never really had a song to plug them into and like that was it it was kind of a it was a really a intended to be a one-shot project the way it developed over the five years that it took to finally like put it all together and finally get it released uh gave just kind of taught me so many lessons about what I wanted in terms of creating my own music so a lot of what I did with Revolution EP was all lessons learned from Canopic EP. So um, after finishing Canopic EP, I really had figured out like, okay, what were the things I liked about this? I liked that it was, you know, heavily featuring me. Um, I really liked the songs that I wrote because I was a little bit more proud of those because they felt a little bit more personal. And I really liked the history theme. And I really liked just doing an EP. Like I am... I am all about EPs right now. I'm like, uh, I love when other artists mm-hmm. release EPs. I really get into them, like a little bit more than LPs lately, uh, just because I think you can say what yep. you need to say in an EP, but it's a little bit like just like a nice bite size amount, and it's not like overwhelming to produce or anything like that. So for me, I I will probably just keep doing EPs for now. Um, you know, I dropped a mixtape with uh, Scotty Blue, and again, that was just five. It was a five-song hip-hop mixtape, and I loved it. It's just a perfect mm-hmm. package of songs for me to be able to kind of like creatively explore and to express some things, but again, not get like overwhelmed by feeling the need to write like ten-plus songs with an EP. It's like I can just cap it at four or five, and I feel really um, complete from that. So uh, Revolution EP really kind of came out of this really old idea that I had that I wanted to sort of explore different historical revolutions throughout history. I It was a concept I actually had in the back of my mind back in the Deny the Threat days, and um, mm. which just kind of never materialized. And so it kind of just like struck me one day um, shortly before Canopic EP was released. I was like, you know what? I'm I'm ready to start writing the next one. Like this one took so long, I should probably start now if it takes another five years. <laughs> um, so I kind of started <laughs> developing the idea. And yeah, so um, sorry, a bit of a tangent there, but really to just directly answer your question, uh, the new EP, Revolution EP, is about four different historical revolutions. Intense but orderly work is the first like full-length track, and that's the communist uh, Chinese revolution uh, led by Mao Zedong. Mm. And then uh, History Will Absolve Me um, is about the Cuban revolution um, led by Fidel Castro. Vive le Roi is about the French Revolution. And then the final song, Shot Heard Around the World, is about the American uh, Independence Revolution. Awesome. So in this whole process, like you said, you know, you can do bite-sized pieces and you can learn. I found it really interesting how, you know, you, you kind of picked the things that you liked the most about the <laughs> last EP, being able to feature yourself, being able to, you know, that all the different aspects that you liked and put them more into this one. What mm-hmm. were, you can dive in a little bit more into what those things were that created this new EP because it's very different. And I want to know if, if some of it's conscious because for instance, the last one was purely instrumental and this one you wanted to, you didn't mm-hmm. vocals. Was that a, I want to experiment with vocals. Was that a thing that you wanted to try? Was that, you know, you have a bunch of different guests on it was it i want to include people or was it hmm maybe i should try this like how did that there's a lot of key differences well it still falls <laughs> under the umbrella of the same project so i i'd yeah. love to hear a little bit about about that and those choices that you made and why sure and i guess on that front i'll just say that like my vision for like sons of horse if you will or like the point of sons of horse for me is really just mm. a creative outlet for me to write band based like heavy music like that's it like there's no rules mm. beyond that really i think the rule is just like it has to be called sons of horse 
Um, it has to be called something EP, and there should be like always like a historical theme to each one. Like th- those are the rules. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I'm not really restricting myself at all. Because for me, like you know, I'm not trying to make a career out of this. I'm just it's just an outlet for me to write heavy music for a traditional band setting, which is you know guitars, bass, drums, and vocals, whatever and whatever else needs to be thrown in there for the arrangement. So with that in mind, uh, the differences were sort of just natural in terms of just like what I'm listening to right now and just what I'm inspired by. When I wrote Canopic EP, I was listening to a lot of like progressive metal that was very virtuosic, and I wanted to kind of explore that and show off like what I could kind of do. And and so I wrote these very long songs, like seven minute songs um, that have like a lot of really fast, intense parts. And I, uh, for me, I guess musically, I sort of just got it out of my system with that EP. Um, I did what I needed to do. I, I showed off these like really impressive, mm. at least what I think are quite impressive drum parts. And I sort of got that out of my system a little bit. So then when it came time to start writing Revolution EP, I was a little bit more focused on songwriting. I wanted to write really good, like catchy mm. songs, um, still heavy um, and everything like that. But I just I was a little bit more focused on like quality songwriting as opposed to. Uh, showing off parts like it was like oh look at this amazing guitar lick oh look at these double bass kicks you know <laughs> like that kind of stuff yeah um, in, in regards to the vocal question I had always intended for Canopy EP to have vocals that was always the intent for that I couldn't find a vocalist that was like ready to take on the challenge of those songs um, mm-hmm. I just didn't know any vocalists that were like quite in that scene of um, you know doing really progressive style music so that's really why that EP never ended up having vocals is I just couldn't find the right person to, to do it. So going into Revolution EP, I decided to do more kind of traditional songwriting with like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, breakdown, chorus kind of style so that I had a mm. bigger pool of people to reach out to. Um, and I originally never intended to do any of the vocals myself on the EP. Mm. I'm not a singer. Like, I, I can carry a tune if you give it to me, but I, I, I don't sing well just, like, by myself or independently. Um, right. And uh, I've always wanted to be a screamer and do, like, heavy vocals, but I just never quite could, like, crack the code of like how to find my style I was always like oh I don't sound like the people I want to sound like so I therefore I sound bad you know that kind of idea so um mm. yeah so I, I going into it I knew I wanted like a vocal feature on every song I had a short list of like screamers and singers that I thought would be good collaborators and so I kind of kept that in mind as I was writing the songs like oh who would this fit to and that helped with the writing a lot it was like knowing mm. like okay like what kind of register should I write this lyric in or something like that? Um, so that was really helpful and I really enjoyed that a lot. Um, and it really informed the writing a lot, but, uh, yeah, that was kind of the big thing is revolution EP is really more about songwriting and like catchiness and hooks. Mm. That's really what I just wanted to do with this EP because I really feel like I did the intense instrumental thing with Canopic. So it was time to try something else with revolution. Yeah. Yeah. What was the thing that made you decide to actually do vocals yourself? Like you said, it wasn't an intent going into it. So it wasn't a a conscious, like, I'm going to write a record that I'm going to sing on. So where was the turning point that went, hey, maybe I'll try this? Like, how does that, how did that come about? It happened in the demoing process. Uh, Big thanks to Emmett O'Reilly, the the producer. So when I started working with Emmett, it was, it was a phenomenal process because we kind of intended, I sent him two very rough instrumental demos. I was like, hey, these are the songs I'm writing. I want to write four. Can you produce this for me? Because I want these to be really good songs. And Emmett is just a phenomenally talented songwriter. And um, vocalist. And so I wanted him to not only help me produce the songwriting, the arrangements, but also like get really good, like juicy chorus hooks and stuff like that. So um, what we ended up deciding to do was demo absolutely everything just between the two of us so that we had the full picture of what these songs would look like. So since we decided to do that, I just started making scratch scream tracks, basically, Um Mm-hmm. Just so we could kind of figure out how the lyrics would sit and everything like that. And again, even while I was doing this, I was kind of thinking to myself, yeah, this is fine, but we'll like send it to someone who's good mm-hmm. <laughs> and they'll do it. And there was uh, there was just one song where I started getting into it. Um, it was History uh, Will Absolve Me. And I just started kind of really hearing what I wanted to hear out of the track. So I really just started like trying harder and practicing 
And it was honestly, I think it was just a little bit of out of embarrassment. I didn't want to send these demos to someone and have them hear my crappy screamings. Mm. So I started looking up uh, courses online and I took and I signed up for a free like few like free courses online where they would just send you like a video a week of stuff to practice and try. Mm. And I started just practicing every day. I'd just go down to the basement and make like weird sounds in my basement while my dog freaked out because she didn't know what was going on. And um, just to kind of get me to the point where at least I could feel like I'm hearing the intent of what I was hearing in my head in terms of what I wanted out of the, the, the hard vocals. And yeah, I guess long story short, it just got to a point where just like I, I was finally able to do what I wanted to hear and I was starting to get really happy with it. And then I, by the time we finished demoing everything, I kind of had just made the decision. I was like, I think I want to do this. I think I want to do all of the screaming in every song. And then to me, kind of conceptually too, I think it just kind of glues the whole EP together. It creates mm -hmm. like just sort of a consistent sound that you're hearing through every song. Because like, yes, it's me playing all the guitars and the bass and the drums, but there's not a lot of like individualistic character to that i don't think whereas like when you hear me my vocals on each track it kind of glues it together and makes it feel a little bit more like a band featuring people as opposed to like a band playing mm -hmm. with like 15 different vocalists coming in and out of every track you know totally how was the process of working with a bunch of different vocalists and trying to find people that fit and once the writing was done going yep this still definitely works for the person i thought of and or or maybe it didn't and now i have to switch in my head you know <laughs> how was the process of of working and collaborating with so many different people because there's a lot of different features on it <laughs> yeah yeah and uh you know i'll take a moment to just shout out um you know travis jakes of travesty he's on history will absolve mm -hmm. me uh max antandrio plays uh the bass in intense but orderly work emmett o'reilly who produced also features on intense but orderly work uh you do the clean vocals on uh la Roy. and then i have uh tristan mm -hmm. matheson who does screaming with me on uh, shot heard around the world and then my sister uh vivi also does some uh, very lovely vocals in the bridge and different things like that too um it was phenomenal it was it was exactly what i wanted because again like this project's just for fun like so to mm. me it was just like oh here's a good chance for me to just like make some really cool music that i like with my friends done like easy <laughs> like yeah um so to, to me it wasn't very stressful because i was just making music with my friends so it was very rewarding that way i think the key to the success though was uh the decision that emmett and i made to absolutely demo everything before we started inviting people mm. in um, I think that was key. And again, that was a kind of a lesson learned from Canopic EP where I very much gave big blank canvases to people to add stuff into. Like it was like, here's mm. just a track of drums, write music on top of it, you know? And uh, that was difficult. A lot of people showed a lot of enthusiasm early on, but then when it came time, weren't really able to deliver or weren't ready to kind of take that step. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so doing everything ourselves and having it all sort of creatively figured out, I think really helped uh, all the guest artists really just pick it up quickly because like the lyrics were written, the melodies were written. They just had to learn it and then put their own spin on it, which we were very flexible about. I mean, I, you know, I think you are a, a really great mm -hmm. example of that where we had the vocals demoed out and those vocals took us forever. Oh my God, those vocals took us so long to figure out because they were just weird and we knew we wanted them to be weird but it was like yeah you know when you're trying to find the right weird <laughs> yes totally uh, that that was the big challenge there is like just finding the right weird that like that was comforting and like settled in but also like a little bit eerie and on edge and i think you did a phenomenal job um, and I guess maybe you can speak to that as one of the, the, the features. What did you think? Did you like that? We kind of sent you like everything and then you had the freedom to kind of interpret that and then put your own spin on it. Would you have preferred, I just send you lyrics and then an instrumental track and you figured it all out yourself. I actually really liked that process and mm. where it kind of, it had a thing, but yet I felt based on the conversations, based on everything around it, that yes, it's demoed out and yes, it's figured out, but if you have suggestions, let us know. If you want to try something, go for it. And that part of it's really cool because I think there's a there's a balance um, mm -hmm. of that where if you're working with somebody, some people love it when they just get something given to them and they just have to play it. And other yeah. people – so I'm not saying that there aren't people like that, but I find a lot of creatives like myself are like, cool, I'll do what you want. But if I have some ideas, like can I try other things? And like, yeah. and like you said, put my spin on it. Um 
So yeah, I definitely, I liked the fact that it was kind of, here's something to start from and mm-hmm. then do what you want with it. And that was a lot of fun. And like, I just layered a bunch of stuff and was like, here, what do you think of this? <laughs> so, and, you know, and, and you sent the first demo and our minds were just blown apart. We were like, oh my God, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you find that that was a, a thing across different people? Did, did you find that some people liked having it and just did what you sent them and other people were like very... Um, let me try different things or was it a lot of experimentation once they got the demos? It kind of, yeah, it definitely depended on the person. Like, uh, Vivi was great because with Vivi, Mm -hmm. I had her vocal lines written and then there was just sections where I just kind of added notes of like, add harmony here. And the harmony was just totally up to her. And I think she really enjoyed that. She liked having like, knowing what I was expecting, like, okay, just sing this part, but with your voice, Mm. but now add a harmony to it. That's kind of in your style and your like range and everything like that. She did that phenomenally. Um, when I worked with Tristan for the, for the screaming of shot, I think he really liked just knowing exactly what was expected. Like, here's the line it screamed and he just kind of showed up and knocked it out of the park in like a couple hours and it was great. And we were both very satisfied with that. Um, Travis, uh, was kind of a, you know, very similar in terms of, I think he really liked being able to just hear what was expected. He ended up working with Emmett to get it recorded. Cause I obviously wasn't able to, uh, go do that during, uh, quarantine and all that kind of stuff. So Emmett went out yep. to Travis's studio and did all of those vocals. So they were able, and I don't know what happened behind the curtains there, <laughs> mm, <yeah>. um, <laughs> but you know, like they were able to kind of experiment and like, I got the final multi-tracks from that session and I was able to like, kind of listen through everything. And you, and you know, I right away could tell like, Oh, okay, cool. They changed this line. So he goes up rather than down or, yeah, you know, he had a little bit, a few more notes in this line or whatever. So and again, I think that was able to be done and they were able able to have that kind of room for experimentation and uh, just a kind of flexibility because we had already demoed everything out the way it should sound, you know. Um, so we had a, mm-hmm. they had a very, very good starting point that way. Um, and Max was kind of the same way, too. I that was kind of funny. Uh, so I wrote the bass and did like one little bass line by accident, sort of when I demoed it and Emmett heard it and he was like, mm. I like this. I think you could do more like bass runs in this section. I think that would sound really cool. And yeah. so I programmed a bunch of different stuff and I hated all of it. Like I was just like, ah, it's like circling around what I would like to hear, but I, I'm not getting it. I don't have a good enough foundation in like walking bass lines mm. to really pull this yep. off. So we kind of left it for a few weeks. And then I just said, I was like, you know, Max went to, you know, Humber for jazz bass and plays heavy music. Like, why don't we just see if Max wants to do it? I'm sure he could knock it out real easy. And he did. You know, uh, we went back and forth in some messages a couple times just being like, hey, like, do you want it really busy? Do you want it? this or that. And I just sent him what, what I had programmed. I said, this is kind of what we're going for, but don't feel like you have to go with it. He's like, Oh, I actually kind of like it. So he ended up using some parts and then, um, you know, writing his own as well. And then that's how that came apart. So yeah, it was all very collaborative and very easy. And I, I really think, um, the key to the success of the collaboration with different people, especially virtually where I like, I was never in the room with anyone else. Like I wasn't in the room with Vivi, with you, with Travis, with uh, Max, with Emmett, everyone did their parts remotely. So it was, it was the communication was key prior to, Mm -hmm. to kind of set up expectations and really like explain what we were going for. And even just the engineering of like, okay, when it's not just one vocal line, like you have to send me eight, (laughs) like for this chorus or whatever. So that we have enough. Uh, so yeah, the communication was uh, was really essential, and I think the key to it all was the fact that me and Emmett had the whole thing demoed out, so that they just had to listen to it and kind of internalize it and hear what what the point was. And then yeah. you know, if they wanted to add their own spin, add a little flourish here and there, exactly what uh, what they did, and that and that it made for some really truly phenomenal songs that I'm just so proud of. Like it's just so cool yeah. for me to be able to play this EP and you know hear my playing and then just hear all my friends like. Um, that's, I I think that's why intense, but overly work is my favorite is because me Mm. and Emmett are like trading vocals back and forth for the chorus. And the chorus is just great because the first chorus is kind of like a slow chug kind of grime a little bit. And then the second one, we double time it. And I don't even know why I did that. It was just one of those, like I hit those shots right before the bump, bump. (laughs) 
and I just like double timed it and it just gets me so hyped. And now I'm watching the video. I'm just like, you know, me and Emmett just trading vocals back and forth while Max does this bass line in the middle and I'm just hitting the drums. Like, yeah, it just, it just puts a smile on my face. And that's, that's the point of this for me, man. It's just like, I just want to write music that I want to listen to and that I can be proud of. And the fact that uh, all of my dear friends are on this EP is is just really mm. special to me, and the fact that they all were willing to to try and you know collaborate and record, or you know go with someone to record, and then also now everyone's like doing the videos remotely too, so everyone's like filming yep. remotely and sending me video files, and I'm cutting them together. Like it's just like I'm so lucky to have friends like this, and so lucky to be able to have done a project like this because. Yeah, I can't imagine uh, doing it without them now, hearing the final product. I think it turned out really well, and and it comes through that everybody just got to have fun and did as much as they wanted to and didn't have to do too much or too little or felt restricted or not. And I think I definitely think that comes through and everybody is literally just having fun with it and that I think that's awesome. So it's funny too, because the subject matter is so grim, but everyone's having so much fun with this, like very grim subject matter of like death and revolution. I think it balances itself out a little nicely. It's a nice balance, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It's a little bit of both. Let's put a fun spin on these terrible subjects. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Something that that, uh, I find very interesting and something that obviously we've all had to kind of deal with through this um, is the fact that you did all of this remotely and Mm. you did like all these collaborations. It literally is packed with collaborations. Every song has at least one collaborator on it, if not more, Mm -hmm. your producer was remotely and like everything was, was virtual. I wanted, I want to hear your take on just speaking to that process. Now I totally agree with you where, where you're kind of like demoing it out, made it easier for the collaborations, but even everything around that, how did it, how did it work? What was kind of the process, uh, mm. around being able to do that and even working with Emmett remotely, um, for the production side of it? Like, did you do a lot of live calls? Was it a lot of back and forth with files and like Dropbox links? Like how did, how did it work? Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a good process. Honestly, it felt very comfortable the whole time. Um, the only time I didn't like the process was just when the rec- when the final recordings were being done and I couldn't be in the room. That was stressful. Yeah. But even that, again, I had the confidence in the demos and in the communication process prior to to know that, like, this is going to work out. Anyway, uh, all the way back to the beginning, um, when I asked Emmett to produce, he was – I think he was excited but hesitant uh, just because he, he yep. I think he admitted, you know, he's never pr- solely been a producer for a record that's never been his yep. role. But he was definitely excited and like eager to jump in. And I explained right from the beginning, like I have these song ideas and I have this concept. What I really want your help with is songwriting arrangements and vocals like that's I think what you mm-hmm. are really good at. And that's what I want help developing in this in the CP. So we had a couple conversations back and forth in terms of just like the vision and like the roles we would play and everything like that. And then at the beginning, I think we set up a weekly video chat and like once a week for about an hour, we'd get together and discuss the songs and then we'd have notes and we kept, you know, a Google doc of all the notes that we had and all of our discussions and everything like that going back and forth. And basically after that discussion, I would then usually have about a week to make those revisions or do whatever. And, and that was great Mm -hmm. because that really kept me on track because every week I had someone to be kind of accountable to in terms of like, okay, I need to like write the lyrics to this song or I need to write a riff to this middle section or whatever, you know? Um, Mm. and pretty much everything was being done just by me and logic. Um, you know, I was just DIing everything and then putting Ampsons on and I was programming drums. So it was pretty easy for me to make changes and different decisions on the fly, which was really nice. So yeah, early on we were doing weekly meetings and then once we kind of got to the point where all four songs were fully demoed, I think then we transitioned to like every to bi-weekly basically. Um right. just to kind of keep up and and then yeah, that was the that was the main focus and that was the main uh means of production was, you know, those weekly meetings of, you know, catch-ups and uh uh, talking about the songs and talking about how to improve them and how to make them as good as they could possibly be. Once we got to the part where we started asking for um, uh, uh, features, uh, mm-hmm. Emmett, I, I had asked Emmett to demo all of the clean singing. So he did all the clean singing once we decided 
it was good. Um, but yeah. I, I got to commend him as a producer. He really didn't let me get away with anything. <laughs> and when I say that, there was like, there was definitely some times where like, I kind of expected to just write some lyrics and be like, Hey, I don't know. You write the chorus. And he didn't let me do it. And there was a couple of times where I was right. like, oh, it could kind of sound like this. And he's like, okay, demo it for me. Like, it's just going to be me listening. Don't worry. But like, sing something yeah. and send it to me. And I was like, oh, fine, okay. And lo and behold, that's how we got like the chorus for history, which I think is like my favorite chorus uh, just because right. it hits really hard. And I think it's really catchy. It is to me at least, but I really yeah. got to commend him because he really pushed me to like actually write everything myself. Like there was definitely some moments yeah. where I was like totally willing to just be like, and then this sort of should go here. Why don't you write it, producer? And he was like, no, 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 no. You write something. I can like tweak it and I can like judge it or whatever, but you got to like originally yeah. write it. So I really appreciate him for that because I'm really proud to have like written everything on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, uh, but again, too, like knowing that I wasn't a singer myself, I really wanted Emmett to do the final like vocal demos uh, just to make sure that for all the features, they could hear a good singer singing it well. <laughs> and so right. they could really just like tell like, okay, what are the notes that they're going for and everything like that. Um, so that was that whole process. And then we just started sending out MP3s to everybody, you know, like here's, mm. here's the full song. Here's the song without the vocals. Here's the song with just your vocals all like, I kind of just sent them all different kind of versions that they could possibly need. And then it was a lot of email communication and maybe a couple FaceTime chats with different people to be like, okay, like this is what we're going for. Um, originally we had intended that I would come to Canada for like two weeks and like record and everyone would like come over to wherever I was and do that. But we weren't able to do that because of the, uh, Canada's increasing quarantine rules and stuff like that. Like if you come over the border, you have to quarantine and all this stuff. And so like, it just wasn't possible because the pandemic was getting worse and worse and worse at the time. This was like fall of last year. Yeah. Um, so that's when we had to kind of on the fly, make a decision. It's like, okay, everyone who's doing a feature has to do it on their own and send it all in. And so mm-hmm. that's what we did, you know? Um, so I kind of just found a space on my own outside of my house just to get away. And I kind of held up for a few days and re-recorded the entire thing top to bottom. Um, like I had all the demo guitars. I had edited all the, like I, I went for it. I had all the demo guitars. I actually edited them all because I really wanted to like hear what it was supposed to sound like before we did it. And then, and then I, yeah. And then I kind of did what I was supposed to do. I went out and bought all new strings and like restrung all the guitars for each song and played with fresh strings and all that. And, uh, re-recorded the entire thing top to bottom in about three days. It took me about three days to do the whole thing. Um, and then I did all the vocals on my own and then I kind of just sat around waiting for people to send me stuff. Um, right. so then they'd send me stuff and then I'd add it into my master session, edit it, um, you know, comp all the vocals, make sure they were all aligned as good as I could do at least at the time. Um, yep. and yeah, and that's kind of how, and so then that all finally got put together and then I got one day where I was able to see Emmett. And right. we were able to get together and just kind of go through the session with a fine tooth comb, make sure everything was okay, make sure everything was, he tweaked a few knobs here and there, but overall, and then we added some gang vocals and stuff right. like that. It was great. I was really, really glad that we got the one day to sit down and go through it all. So we added a few things and then it was pretty much done. I did a little bit more fine tune editing after that. Yep. And then uh, you, my friend, came in and uh, I sent you the multi-tracks and you started mixing it together to perfection. Um, <laughs> and it kind of went from there. And honestly, like that was that process was pretty fast. Like what? I think Le Roi, like had one revision to it. You did the mix. You sent yep. it to me. I think I had like three things and it was done. Like it was that fast. It was like, I think the fastest yeah. we'd ever had a, a mix done. Um, a few of the other songs, maybe just totally. took, like, I think for the few of the other songs, it was like, I had one sticking point. Like I just, I desperately wanted you yeah. to turn up the bass in history. So that took maybe like four or five times. And finally I was just like, Chuck, you will turn up the yep. bass in that first second verse. I want to hear the bass in that second verse. You will turn it up. <laughs> I remember there was that, that, that time you were like, that was, yep. okay, man, if that's what you want, I will give you what you want. It's like, I don't care if it's wrong. I want the bass loud in the second verse. And you're like, okay, that's what you want. You get it. <laughs> yeah. I think one of your notes was turn it up to when you think it's too loud and then turn it up some more. And I'm like, got it. Did, I think did I, exactly yeah, that. I like, it's that. perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. The the mixing, like the notes back and forth were were quite easy. And like, you know, I gave you the mixes and then mm-hmm. you listened to them for a week and then gave me a couple notes. I think we like the 
one that took the longest was three revisions. Like it was, yeah. it wasn't even like that bad. And, and again, too, no. um, that, that, and I guess maybe in terms of like an organizational tool, Google drive, I think was the mm. key to success as well. Because like, like I said, when me and Emmett were writing and producing, we kept all of our weekly notes in a Google drive. So we could instantly just go back and see like, okay, what did we yep. say like two weeks ago when we were looking at this song or whatever? Yep. And again, that kept me very accountable. And then we had like all the demos were uploaded to the Google Drive so we could hear the different demos and how they were changing. All of the yeah. uh, collaborators, you know, all the features like uploaded their stuff to my Google Drive. So I have like everything from this project in one folder. And then the same for you with Mixed yep. Notes. Like I just had one Google Drive folder um, with yep. like Google Docs to just update them. And then I could see too, I was like, did he change? Like, did he change this? Like I said to change this in the first revision. Did he do it? No, he didn't do it. I'm going to say it. Again. Yeah. <laughs> it's the basin. He didn't go it's far the enough. Basin history. <laughs> yeah. It's louder, but it's not loud enough. It's not loud enough. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think that's a, a really good idea. And the way that you guys did it and keeping like Google drive is a great thing. And like having a Google mm -hmm. doc with all the notes and stuff and keeping it organized that way. Cause both people can log in and see it or yeah. any, everybody involved. And like we did that, uh, before the thing we had talked about, like I had a call with you and Emmett about, mm. you know, what I needed for certain yeah. things, the mix where you guys were like, Oh, well, how much do you think we need? Or just some, mm -hmm. you know, some little bits of insight and, and same yeah. with the mix notes. It was in a Google drive and we could see it and it's like, Oh yeah, I added it to that. It's not an email with, notes back and forth and it's you know which does work but mm -hmm. it's really easy to go no i added it to the google drive and you don't have to try and find the file or the last revision or it's all there yeah. and you just have like an archive of all of your discussions and all the changes yep. and just like and like i was working with all friends so i don't think there was like ever an issue of like you said this i never said that but like if yeah. we had ever had that scenario we could have both just gone as like oh nope i did say that okay shit <laughs> yeah um totally and that's really great and and yeah it's just ah communication man like communication is so key and i really think that's what yeah. made this so successful was everyone was really willing to openly communicate and just be really honest like i said um and like you said with emmett last week like that discussion we had before because we had that discussion before we started actually tracking like demos were all done yep. we sent you the demos you had heard all four songs you knew what yep. to expect and we and we went through them song by song we're like okay this is everything these are all the elements of this song like what do you want and like so yep. so that i knew that if there was like strings because like um i program like a string ensemble into almost everything these days and I like, you know, we were able to have that discussion is like, do you want the MIDI from the string ensemble? Do you want just like a single bounced file or do you want like every instrument within the ensemble? Because technically there's like five different like string players playing the whole time. It's like, no, I don't mm -hmm. need five different like string <laughs> string player stems. Like yeah. just send me the whole thing. Just export it. Perfect. Easy. You know, just all those kind of things. How many doubles of everything? And that really informed yeah. the the tracking, you know, so the tracking was able to be, I was able to be really efficient because I could set up the whole session to include like every track that you had requested. And I knew like if yeah. that track was blank, oh, I haven't done something. <laughs> you know? Speaking of the tracking, I've, I found it really interesting. Uh, you mentioned this before you went and went on your own for a few days and just kind of like isolated yourself into a creative mm -hmm. bubble, so to speak, to, to actually record your parts and do the final tracking. Was that a, uh, was that helpful for the creative process of finishing them? Was like, what was the decision like to do that? Cause that's unique. A lot of people kind of do it at home and why, when it came to that final tracking, did you go, you know what, I'm going to go and do it on my own. And what was the outcome of that? Uh, I think it's a great question because I think especially nowadays, like you said, I, th I think a lot of people are used to just sort of like building it over time until it's done. Um, yep. And again, too, not to keep coming back to this, but this was a big lessons learned from Kanapik EP. I didn't, I didn't like that. I didn't like sort of piecing it together over like three years until I finally had a finished song. I that's the reason I wanted to demo everything out first was to, to kind of mm. get a sense of like, get this song just in a place where it's good and then 
do it for real, if you will. And that's kind of what I'm used to. Like that was the environment I grew up in. Recording right. was you practice your ass off and then you booked the studio time and you went in and you did it for real. And you just like yep. you cut everything else out for a few days. And like that's how we track drums for the two and I threat albums is yep. you and I took like three days off and all we did was track drums for like three days until yep. like two, four o'clock in the morning. So I guess, yeah, I was kind of yearning for that experience, which I don't really get anymore because I'm not as mm -hmm. involved in, you know, music in that kind of way, you know, so that was a little bit of the reason to want to do that. Um, and again, too, it, I loved it. It was, it was amazing. It was probably the best three days of my 2020 <laughs> was right. just isolating for like three, four days and just having no real responsibility other than feed myself and record these songs as best as I possibly could. And I went mm -hmm. in as prepared as I could. Like I was practicing every song, every part, every day um, for mm -hmm. about a month and a half before I was finally like ready to to do that and right. um i went with a really minimalist setup too like i didn't have my like big debt i just had my computer some speakers keyboard and a simple interface and that was it like there was no other stuff there it was as minimalist as i could make it um just to stay really focused and stay really um streamlined and then a mic too obviously um and yeah, that was the way to do it for me. I loved it. I 100% I plan on doing that again for the next one. Um, the next one, I will definitely mm -hmm. demo it all out, practice, 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 and then take like a week off and just isolate. I, I would love to go to like a cabin or something like that next. I think that's what I want to mm -hmm. do. I would like to go somewhere a little bit more scenic um, where yep. I can like walk around and like take those kind of breaks. Uh, but yeah, I would highly recommend it. Like, just like, you know, get it all demoed and don't worry about like perfect tuning or like, you know, fresh strings as much. Um, yep. Just get it demoed, get the song sounding how it's supposed to sound and then like practice and then find a few days and just like hunker down and just do it for real. Because for me, it just put me in a perfect mindset. There was plenty of times where it was just like, it was first take and done. It was just like, yeah. like especially the rhythms. It was like first take and done. I was like, wow. And I'm sitting there staring at the computer like, should I do this again? Like, no, this is right. Like, and then I was just like, okay, well, edit it. And I'm sure you'll find a mistake. Edit it. No, no, it's on the grid. It's a, okay, next part, whatever. <laughs> it was a really great experience that way, just because I was prepared and I was just in the zone and I just got to be really intimate with the songs. And yeah, it was great. I'd highly recommend it. I think that that's a really good way for creative endeavors because of the fact that you get to completely engulf yourself in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, all you had to worry about was feeding yourself and making the music. <laughs> and so yeah. while well, you're by yourself, you're not worrying about walking the dog or you're not worried about your, you know, friend or your neighbor or mm -hmm. whatever else is going on. You just, you can be like cooking your breakfast and going, huh? Okay. What about that part? Hmm, maybe I should do oh, the yeah. guitar sound. And you're like, you, that's nothing to take you out of that. Nothing of real life basically yeah. to take you away from that. So you can really think about it. And, and I know a lot of uh, big bands do that. A lot of them do it the other way too, where they, they isolate for a month or, or a few weeks or whatever and oh, write. And that's how mm. they do all the demoing. So it's mm. just creative. There's no worrying about the strings. There's no worrying about the editing and the tuning. I mean, some of them do that too, but, um, but they kind of just are creative in the songwriting process. And then the going into the studio is just like a day job again, where they go mm. in, they mm -hmm. record for the few hours and they leave and they go, but it's again, yeah. same kind of thing. You're isolating yourself for maybe a par part of the day and going into the studio and it's your work for that day. Um, instead yeah. of kind of tagging it on after work, you know, as most of no, you know, musicians like yourself have to do is kind of, I'm going to work on it after work or on the weekends, um, yeah. which can, you know, you're exhausted after a long day or whatever. Yeah. And, and that was me. Yeah. And I'm sure that was yeah. part of the reason why you're like, I'm going to take a few days off and go and not worry about anything, but this, because of, I, I'm not going to be exhausted then I'm going to, this is all I'm going to think about. Yeah. And there was never that like, okay, I got three hours before my meeting this evening or whatever, you know, exactly. Or, um, there was just none of that. It was just like, I had these two responsibilities, feed myself and record. Oh, and obviously Instagram it a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, you know, it's um, it it was really good for me for the creative process yeah. and 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 to kind of f- put a little bit more of a pin on the on the whole thing too to really feel like it was done then because I think yeah because uh, that was my problem with Canopic EP is I kind of kept having to poke at it kept adding more layers kept kind of refining the the you know the the programming or the you know the samples or whatever just kept kind of yep. poking at it again whereas this was like no the, like I have three days to get this done sit yep. down and make it as good as it can be and then it's done you know so so totally. for me it was helpful to kind of have that that end date or that due due date for it to kind of be like okay these are my days to do this I'm gonna just do it and then we will move on and then it'll come out in six months and You'll already be halfway through the next one. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Ain't that the truth? So with that being said, how come it took you all of less than a year to make this record and yet it took you five <laughs> years to make the last one? Like, yeah. I mean, obviously there's things you learned, but like what was the biggest things that made it so much easier to make it faster? <laughs> Or in a reasonable timeline, I guess I should say. <laughs> sure, yeah. No, it's a great question. And I don't think there's a singular answer like most things. Um, mm. I would have contributed to a couple factors. Number one, the fact that I did it all myself this time. The biggest thing that took so long with Canopic EP was I was reliant on other people to make the music for me. Right. I had written all these drum parts, but like I was really reliant on other people to write music for what I had already written, which I still think was a really interesting like experiment in terms of songwriting, but like it was inevitably going to take a long time and it was really hard to find the right people. Like I was really fortunate to finally uh, find Gary Locke who did two of the, who played guitar for two of the songs. Like he was really interested in diving in and did a phenomenal job. But again, that took a long time because he had to come over to my place to do all the recording. Um, Halfway through one song, we just like kind of had to take like a month and a half break. So, and then he had to come back and kind of redo it. And I was a lot earlier in my engineering uh, back then too. So I was kind of, Oh, I, and I didn't know, I I didn't know whether I was going to end up mixing it or whether you were going to end up mixing it while I was doing it too. So I was kind of over recording just in case. So like the rhythms had like three doubles when they really didn't need it half the time. But like, again, Mm -hmm. I just wanted that in case because I didn't know what the outcome was. Um, So that would be the first thing is the the fact that it was more dependent on me made everything go faster because I could make it happen, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there wasn't, I wasn't reliant on the features to make the tracks happen. I wanted the features, the, the, the features were going to augment the tracks, but they weren't necessary to produce them in the end. Like if everyone had said no, Emmett would have just been the, you know, the, the clean vocalist on every track. And that would have been great. I would have been very happy with that. Um, Mm -hmm. but I wanted more collaboration. So I think that was the biggest thing is the fact that I just took more responsibility and more independence in writing and creating all of the music myself. Uh, number two was, um, just outcomes. I had just a very specific idea of the outcome that I wanted. Like before I even started getting too far into it, I knew is like, I'm just going to engineer this and then I'm going to hand it off to Chuck. So that like right away just sped me up a lot because I didn't have to Mm -hmm. overthink anything. Cause I knew that I was just like, I will, I didn't have to like spend hours fine tune literally fine tuning the guitars or like the guitar tone or anything like that because i was like this is an amp sim i really like i'm happy with it i'll send it to chuck but i know i'll be sending the di as well so if he doesn't like it or it doesn't work he'll reamp it done moving mm-hmm. on i'm not gonna like spend three days you know <laughs> um yeah you know, fixing this amp sim. So it was kind of all of that is, you know, just knowing where it's going and who's going to be working on it and everything like that kind of sped up the rest of my workflow really, really well. And then finally having a producer, having a producer really was helpful. Um, I think the biggest thing that Emmett did for me is I have a lot of anxiety when it comes to songwriting and making music. I don't feel like I'm Mm. good at it. Like I really like, I I have huge imposter syndrome when it comes to making music because I feel like a fraud and like, I'm just never quite good enough or anything like that. So I tend to second guess almost every idea I ever have. When you have a producer, you have an idea and you put it forward and the producer goes, this is a good idea. And you go, Oh, Okay. I can move on to the next one then. Cause you don't have that like little voice in the back of your head saying like, Oh, this is just a rip off of this. Or, you know, mm. you were trying to do this, but this is just like a, like a C version of, of the riff you were trying to write. you like, you don't have that. You just yeah. have someone who can, 
who you can bounce ideas off of and just say like, here's the thing I wrote. Thing is good. Okay. Thing is good. I can move on. <laughs> like I can live with yeah. that. Um, so for me, that was the biggest help in having a producer was someone to just bounce ideas and let me know when an idea was done. Um, so I didn't dwell on it and I didn't overwork it. And to also know mm -hmm. when I, when I needed to be pushed a little bit more, like I said, like Emmett was really great about pushing me to actually write everything. There was really never a point where I was like, and then there should be a riff here. Can you write a riff? It's like, no, you can write a riff. Like if you think there's a riff there, you should write a riff. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then in addition to that too, Emmett was just very reassuring and just reaffirming. Um, he really just helped glue everything together, pushed me to write, um, you know, was very encouraging. I don't think there's anything he like trashed ever. Like there was, I don't think there was anything ever, anything that was just like, no start over. This is garbage. Um, right. Right. And maybe that's just because Emmett O'Reilly is a very, very nice person. <laughs> um, that's true. the he flip is. side of that too is me and Emmett have been writing music for a long time. I mean, you know, mm. we've written a lot of songs together. He knows my style. I know his. So there was definitely some parts I think where I was just like writing something I'm like, Ooh, Emmett's going to like this. <laughs> and, so, and that kind of got me excited. It's like, you know, you have a, almost a bit of an audience to write to in, a, in like a yep. proxy on it, audience somewhat. Um, and then there was other things where I was writing them and I'm like, huh, this is, I like this. I wonder if Emmett will like this. And then we got to discuss them. So yeah, yeah. I would highly recommend getting a producer, um, you know, if you want to, and you have the budget and the time, um, cause it's just someone to bounce ideas off of. It's just someone to tell you that like, and kind of reassure you, especially if you're someone like me who is just like riddled with self self doubt, but just refuses to give up for some reason. Um, it's just someone to just tell you to keep going and to keep trying and to not worry about it. And to tell you this, like, no, this is a good idea. It's good. Like move on. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. I think, yeah. yeah. So I, to me, those were kind of the, the main ingredients to, to how fast this came about. Cause like I said, like the, the four song EP, I think was written basically in four months. Um, mm -hmm. the, the, like they're fully demoed, fully written, fully like actualized in about four months. And then it took yep. another two months to kind of organize the recording sessions and everything like that and get all the elements. And then I was editing as I was going. So that's kind of part of that as well. Like as I did a section, I immediately sit down and edit it and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And then about a month or two to mix and then a month or two to just kind of sit on it, get the videos together and now release it. So, yeah. Yeah. What you're saying as well that I just want to touch on, because I think it's a very valuable thing um, for not only producers and musicians and engineers, all of the above is having that outside that third party kind of thing. Cause like Emmett was for you, like a producer is for a musician. That's kind of their, their mm -hmm. point. But even as an engineer, I have, you know, when I'm mixing, I have a, a friend of mine who I send all my mixes to, or most of them as just like a, to just let me know a little bit, just a third party yeah. to, to kind of say, yeah, sounds great. Or, Ooh, you know, you're, you tried something, but I don't think it's working or like, <laughs> because you lose perspective when you're mm -hmm. in the creative aspect of it. So songwriting and whatnot. So yeah, he could like Emmett can reassure you, but also, which you probably don't really remember, but if there's an idea that he's like, Oh, that's not, you know, as best as it could be, he can, go, you know what, mm -hmm. try something different or let's see what else you can come up with or which is just as valuable as telling you that it's good because yeah. if you're kind of questioning it and he goes, no, you can do better. And you're kind of like, yeah, okay, you're right. I yeah, kind of felt that too, but you're telling <laughs> yeah. me that. And so I know you, I value your opinion. And I think that's super important uh, for anybody in as an engineer, as a producer, as a songwriter, mm -hmm. as a musician, it's, massively valuable to have somebody you trust that can do that. And it has to come from a place of trust. I would hundred percent agree with that. I think that's why we work so well together is because Emmett and I just, we trust each other. We know each other. Um, yeah. And, and that's the thing too, is like, I, I think he could definitely sense my, my self-consciousness when it came to like writing melodic vocal lines. And he gave me a lot of cool tips too. Like he said, mm. uh, like when I was trying to write the chorus for something, he said, just take the guitar, unplug it and just hum along to the chords and just see where your voice lands. Like just, just try right. to hum the chords you're playing. And that's how I came up with the, the, the history chorus was I was just humming right. along to the unplugged guitar and I just found a, a little interval that I really liked. Um, mm -hmm. And it came from that. And so he gave a lot of really helpful tips and he said, you know, just try it every day, just write lyrics every day. And even if you throw them away, you've at least, 
gotten through the subject matter once, you know, um, totally. just all these kind of little things that a producer just will, will tell you that you've, maybe you've just never considered before, you know, and, um, yep. or we'll just give you a different way to kind of look at your own material and analyze it from a different perspective. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really invaluable. I think, yeah, as much as I can moving forward, I definitely think I'll employ a producer. Yeah. And that's the way that it is a lot in, uh, at all levels as well is mm. the producer, every producer has their little thing. And you hear a lot about <laughs> different producers and their different tactics and like, you know, people talk about Rick Rubin and he's not really there mm-hmm. during the recording, but when he does, he comes in and he says something and it changes the complete trajectory of the song. And yeah. that's his style. <laughs> Other producers are there going through every vocal take, comping every vocal, every drum mm-hmm. hit, and that's their style. And, you know, that's obviously why people choose certain producers and certain workflows for their records because they agree with it. It meshes well, but it pushes them. Like you said, mm-hmm. Emmett helped push you to develop. And the that's why, like that's his production style that he's doing is to not do it for you, but actually push you to do it. And I yeah. think it's, I think that's great. I think he did a phenomenal job from the outside. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he did great. Yeah. No. Yeah. I would, uh, if anyone's listening and they're looking for a a great producer who will kind of push you very gently in the right direction and really make you accountable for your work and really help with just like really good songwriting, um, and especially vocal production. Cause I said to Abbott too, I was like, I kind of wanted like a pop production on the vocals, not necessarily poppy vocals, but just the pop production of just like really catchy, sexy hooks and, you know, um, good layering and a lot of, you know, you know, a lot of harmonies and just all that kind of stuff. And he, he knew it and he jumped right in. So yeah, I would, I would, I cannot recommend Emmett O'Reilly enough if you're looking for a producer to help, uh, produce some of your songs. Yeah. His, his songwriting and his vocal uh, approaches to vocals are great and his his wacky arrangements uh i hate him for it because he will write the most catchy thing and it will be one time in a song and i'm just like damn it Evan, make that i want that part to come back but it's genius though because then i'll listen to the song like five times in a row just to hear that one part that is so yep. freaking catchy like I, it's yep. it's low-key genius yeah <laughs> and then you discover all the other parts and you're like damn the rest of this is really good ah and then you have a new yeah. favorite part and then you're like that only happened once now i gotta listen to the whole thing again again and yep. yeah mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. phenomenal his his writing is really good and i think that uh is one of his strengths as a producer is to be able to see that as well in other people and other songs yeah. so um i definitely think as a as a producer that's one of his strengths for sure one thing that i wanted to ask you because uh to kind of end off here is going in in this vein and you know working with Emmett and you've pushed yourself and he pushed you what do you find that was the biggest thing that you learned through this record and how you developed as an artist and what do you want to do moving forward to push yourself further because every time it seems mm. like every record is a learning uh thing and you kind of hone in on one or two things and then discover some things along the way as well yeah. um and so what was the biggest learning uh aspect of this last record and then what do you hope to do in the future because i know there's going to be another record um (laughs) just i can tell already funny you say (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that's a great question um for me the most one of the most rewarding things from this last one was writing the whole thing myself um Mm. like being the primary writer for the whole thing so i think that's definitely something i'm going to continue and that's something i've really realized what i want out of sons of horus is it is my creative outlet to write traditional band heavy music um Mm -hmm. that's what i want to keep doing yeah i I just want to keep writing like four or five song eps about historical themes that are sort of like not really within any restrictions like i think i think this revolution ep has a really good sound to it but i still think all four songs are unique and distinct from each other it doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like four songs of the same band you know (laughs) and like i'm fine with that again like i'm not looking to to you know, us uh, pitch this to any labels or anything like that. I'm just trying to make cool music that I want to listen to that you know um, is with my friends. So yep. <laughs> uh, I think I yeah I just want to keep doing that. I just kind of want to keep writing cool songs that I like that make me happy um, that try things that I'm into. Um, I think I really 
did some good songwriting. I, I really think these these four songs are the best songs I've ever written mm. um, in terms of just being really cohesive songs, really good, well-rounded songs. Like History, I think, is maybe one of the best songs I've ever written because there's a rhythmic theme that kind of keeps coming through. There's a uh, melodic theme that kind of repeats. Um, it's bookended really nicely. Like the drum parts are kind of conceptual with it too. I don't know. It's just like when I think about the song, I'm just really, really proud of it. So I, I want to just keep doing that. I want to keep writing like good punchy songs with like fun choruses and heavy breakdowns and stuff like that. Um, this album is very chord driven. There's not a lot of riffs. I think there's really only like two riffs. Um, so I'd like to mm -hmm. start writing more riffs and I've started working on that after having done this, I've started taking guitar lessons and like actually learning how to play the guitar. Cause I don't know how to play the guitar. I just like hit it with my hands until it makes a sound yeah. that I like that. I'm like that. My ears are like, yep, go with it. Um, so I'm actually yeah. trying to lear learn right now how to play the guitar, understanding like the, the, the dynamics and the, and the structure of guitar so that I can write more riffs. I'd like to start just writing more riffs uh, mainly. Um, other than that, just, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I might seek out a different producer for the next one just to, you know, create some variety or something like that. But, uh, one way or another, Emmett O'Reilly will be involved with the next one, whether he knows it or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and the final thing I think is the fact that I took a, a prominent vocal position in this one. Yeah. I think that was the big like reveal for me, at least it's like, okay, I can actually, I have found a way to do like scream vocals, which really opens mm -hmm. up a lot of new possibilities for me. Um, in terms of like, theoretically, I could do the whole song by myself. Um, yep. I might not do a sing chorus. I might just do a screamy chorus or something like that and just make it like really metal core or something. Um, I would like to kind of mm -hmm. develop my melodic vocals, but like, I'm not in a huge rush because I know a lot of really great vocalists that I'm perfectly fine to lean on so i'll do the rah rah yep. they'll do the la la and it'll all come together <laughs> um i'm kind of throwing around the idea of maybe even mixing the next one myself um hmm. you know just kind of shifting roles around um not you know uh not that that's like a dig on you or anything like that but just you know like i think it's a cool i think the the next one i think i might be like ready to take on the mixing role and then i'll probably outsource yep. the mastering because i'm a terror I just don't know what to do there. I'm just like, I don't know. Make it loud. Yeah. Oh, no, it sounds like crap. <laughs> Give it to someone that knows what they're doing. Um, kind of just taking on different roles, developing my vocal skills. Um, I think I developed a really good low scream in this last record. Um, mm -hmm. And I was kind of playing around with some, some fry screaming. So I'd really like to practice and work on my fry scream, get those highs a little bit more defined and a little bit, uh, discover those a little bit more. Um, yep. because I, I like them a lot for verses and I like low screams for like breakdowns and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Just developing that a little bit and, uh, experimenting and trying new things. Um, in all honesty, I'm, I got three songs written for the next EP right now. <laughs> of course I'm demoing you do. them out right now. If they're on their way. So, uh, the concept is all figured out for the next one. <laughs> I yeah, figured the concept is figured out. The, the, the historical time period is determined. Uh, three songs are in the works. Just got to get a fourth one. And, uh, yeah, yep. and then I'll be moving forward with that. That's awesome, man. Can't wait to hear it. What you just said, which I just want to highlight before we end off here is, I think it's a really important thing for people to have some kind of a personal project, whether it ends up getting released or not. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you might as well, but to be able to try <laughs> stuff, like you said, to, mm -hmm. to, cause you got to develop your, your singing, you got to, which developed from you, maybe not releasing it and then turned out to be great. And every time adding one or two things that you want to improve on and like, you know, let's try working with a producer. Let's see how that goes. Oh, this is great. And you're not going to know that unless you try it. And a nice non pressure heavy project in a way, like you said, this one is you want to make good music with your friends. That's not a whole lot of pressure. So therefore you can no. play around with stuff and it, and see where it goes and develop skills and learn and put it to use in other ways. But I think that's really important for people to do. Yeah. It's, it's all about experimentation and just trying things yep. for the sake of trying things. And I think that's the only way you really find what you like and what you don't like. And for me, it's always very mm -hmm. helpful. Like I've said before, to have sort of a, an end game project, something I do plan on putting yep. out. It really helps me with motivation, but yeah, Sons of Horus is not really for anything other than just to experiment, try new things, get better at songwriting and, you know, make some dope riffs with some rah-rahs and some la-las. <laughs> 
Have some fun. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thank you for uh, coming back on the Anna Creates featuring Malcolm Coddle monthly podcast. Um, <laughs> it's always great to have you here. I'm sure you'll be back again soon because, you know, go figure. Um, and uh, yeah, but where can people go check out the new EP? Oh, no, no. Sorry, I thought you were doing your full uh, outro there and I was doing your your, your music for you. Boop, 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 <laughs> music. And I was waiting for you. I'm Alex and always be creating. It's like I'm so ready for it. I was going to just do it for you. That's awesome. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, sorry. Where can you find Sons of Horus music today? Um, yeah, so uh, all the major streaming platforms um, pretty much are, are where it is. Uh, YouTube is where I'm mainly releasing all my videos to. So if you go follow my production company, um, Gorilla Back Productions, I post everything on that channel because um, technically it's a product of that, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, mm. the uh, the EP is out as of uh, March 15th, 2021, Revolution EP. It's, it's a great little EP. Very proud of it. There's a lot of talent on it. Um, excluding myself <laughs> and uh yeah it's it's just fun if you like fun fast heavy music i think it's worth checking out can highly recommend it it's it's fantastic all the people on it crushed it including yourself the talent does not exclude you um, it's awesome <laughs> yeah, it was all you, you did like, a, you did a you great job the vocals so hard in la Hoa and then uh, and then the mixing of it is just amazing like i i do remember talking to Emmett, and i was like hey like so we got the mixes and they sound pretty good. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> like these just sound great. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Go check out my feature on uh, Le Roi. I'm very proud of that as well, to be a part of that. And, and also to be able to mix the whole record as all those, they turned out really, really well. Enjoy it. Leave a comment, subscribe to Malcolm, go find his stuff and be on the lookout for the next one. Cause I don't know, this one took, you know, eight months start to finish. Next one will probably take because this is the trajectory you're on. We'll just keep shaving months <laughs> yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that is it for uh, this podcast. Okay. Cue up your, you got to be ready for the, the outro oh, theme okay. music here. I want it. I want this. That is it for this week's episode. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Malcolm Cottle, for joining me. And I will see you in the next one. Until then, always be creating. <laughs> All right, I got new theme You music. cannot tell me I don't listen go. to your podcast and support you. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the sign of a true fan right there. Yeah, he's ready. Oh, knows awesome. when the outro music starts early with the break. I love it, too. Every time, like, you light it up so well so that there is, like, a big um, break. <laughs> and, like, you like you have your, like, oh, yeah. last word. And, like, even if it's a guest, too, like, you, they say the last word. And then the drop comes and the drop just hits so well. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.